This week on the Notorious Scandals podcast. I, you know, I, I joke with I joke with my friends who play CIS. I say, you know, automation took our jobs <laughs> because <laughs> the B ones are basically better Z sixes. Yep. Yeah. Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a podcast focused on tactics and competitive play for Star Wars Legion. Hosted by Kyle Dornboss, Michael Barry, and David Zelenka, with Jay Shalansky, the man behind the glass. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I am here with David and Jay. How are you guys doing? Doing great, man. I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on again. Of course. Uh, so Mike is actually uh, on vacation, possibly building a lightsaber on some kind of vision quest. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I hope he's having fun. But uh, we're going to have, is this the second week in a row, Jay? Because I was gone last week, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Um, so uh, we're going to actually talk about some things that are near and dear to your heart today anyway. So this seems highly appropriate. Um, that being heavies and by that yeah, i mean I'm looking forward to it by that i mean uh you know things in the heavy slot um <laughs> that, that still sounds so bad <laughs> <laughs> um so uh what are you well, trying to it, say kyle no, what are I you just, trying to say yeah that's Jay, of, he's a chaser like like wwe <laughs> wwf you know like heavyweight worldwide heavyweight championship term. um so yeah, we're going to talk about vehicles, heavy vehicles, and uh, uh, but first we're going to talk to Brendan Franz, the High Marshal, uh, the man of many titles, head judge, TO. Um, so uh, let's launch right into that first. Welcome to In the News, and we're back with the illustrious Brendan Franz. Uh, so you're not like the high marshal anymore. You, what, what, do, what do we call you these days? Man, uh, birthday boy today. Um, but uh, for our listeners who might not be tuning in uh, on January 6th, uh, the official term is head judge now or, or tournament organizer, depending on the day, uh, sometimes both. But forever, forever. Quarterly podcast host. Quarterly Call podcast them... host. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh no it's fun uh we are still doing critical x uh we have broken up about as many times as we have episodes i think but uh you know we're still going strong almost almost at a one-year anniversary actually so so you guys are like an 80s rock band yeah something like that we got our one hit wonders every couple of years and and then uh you know we'll we'll live off the revenue from that for a little while so, so you are you, first of all happy birthday yeah thank you um do you have do you have a t-shirt yet that says I have spoken? No, but I want one really bad. Um that that is like the ultimate judge meme right there. Uh, I mean I I will make it legal was great, but Mandalorian is just meme the meme center of the universe right now. Um and I I don't even know how to handle a Friday without like my baby Yoda. That's it's bad. <laughs> Got my withdrawals, man. I binged it again over Christmas. Yeah, I've watched I've watched that opening scene of episode eight um, with the yeah. scout troopers and IG eleven like six times. <laughs> so, so as a veteran NCO of the United States Air Force, I will tell you that is exactly what active duty is like. <laughs> um, can't, can't cannot confirm or deny punching babies in a bag, but like 
everything else is that is that is bait that's active duty just sitting around oh the commander just like called everybody in for a random drug screening on a sunday yeah no i'm i'm out on leave sorry can't go like <laughs> you know i mean just for real like random garbage that's active duty life right there including the horribly inaccurate uh pistols which i yeah. think we need to adjust the double black dice um yeah you know on those oh my gosh yeah the uh, scout troopers uh were not shown in good light in that one uh, <laughs> But, so let's uh, let's let's get on on topic here um what <laughs> not used to that <laughs> so we are we are here to talk about legion and uh more specifically at least for right now prime championships hey i ran one of those this past weekend yeah so can you talk about since these are new they're distinctly different from rpqs can you talk just a little bit about a, how they're different from RPQs, and B, uh, like what things organizers should watch out for when putting together a prime? Yeah, definitely. Um, so um, in the last year, and I think this is where we're still in that transition phase, people are kind of getting used to the new terms. Um, so even just the RPQ prime changeover is confusing. But um, as of the new floor rules document, they're no longer using the casual, or sorry, the relaxed uh, the formal and the premier terms, it's now either casual or competitive. There's only two tiers. So you guys run in a Saturday tournament um, at your store, um, even just like with the regular tournament kit or, or your own prize support, um, that's a casual event. These primes are determined to be competitive. Um, and in that box, which um, I, you know, I gave FFG some feedback. I, I wish that that document would come out sooner to TOs so that they could start reading it and preparing it. I, I think that would help me. Um, it is very, very clear in there um, how you're supposed to run it. Um, it even has a minimum number of players listed. Um, there's no there's no what if you don't get enough listed, um, which I think is a great question um, for for the FFG team to answer, maybe if, if we can get a response from them. Um, but it says, you know, follow the advanced structure in the tournament regulations. So in the, in the Legion tournament regulations, which are, um, you know, in all the documents on the Legion page, um, one of the last pages is, you know, if you have this many players run this many rounds and because it's an advanced structure, run a cut and it tells you how to have a cut. Um, and, and in every case that we're going to deal with, with a prime, it's going to be a cut for a top two. Um, I think you have to have 94 players or something like that to, to have a cup for a top four. Um, but so for ours, we had 19 players. We ran three rounds and we had a cup for the top two afterwards. Um, and that was, um, that was again, based on scoring. And then after that strength, the schedule and extended strength, the schedule, uh, we actually had one undefeated player who was three Oh, uh, who didn't make the cut because of strength of schedule and ESOS. Um, and I know you guys have some opinions on that sort of a situation yourselves. So, um, you know, it was, it was definitely, a, it, was, it was a situation, you know, to be sure. Yeah, um, it's, you know, we, of course, as you said, have our own opinions about tie breaks. I actually like, yeah. as far as tie breaks go, I personally prefer strength of schedule over other things like MOV. Um, mm -hmm. I do think it's disappointing that, you know, FFG had a chance to kind of like reorganize the prime structure in a way that, um, potentially eliminated tie breaks entirely. And, um, uh, 
you know, instead they still have a situation where you're mandated to do an SOS cut, mm-hmm. um, which is a little unfortunate. I know like, um, you know, two day primes are not feasible for all stores, but like our store is doing, yeah. our store is actually doing a two day tournament. Um, yeah. 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 To, to make sure that um, they're not cutting anyone undefeated. I, I like it. Um, the struggle there and, and direct impact, I could tell you my store, my store prime would have had is I would have lost a player from San Diego um, and I would have lost a player from Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, who ended up being the guy who won it. Um, so I know of at least two people who wouldn't have made it because of that. And who knows other schedules too, you know, wives and lives and, and, and other business. Um, but you're right. Like Legion, it's not X-Wing where we can crank out six to eight rounds in a day. Um, that's, that's just never going to happen. You know, we're looking at the Adepticon schedule, right? It's four rounds in a day and it's a 14 hour day. Um, which I'm really hoping I can shrink by moving people quickly. Um, but, you know, so that that's definitely the round structure is a priority. Um, the other one that's really clear in there is that I know for a number of RPQs, um, either the tournament organizer or one of the judges was a player. Um, and I know that several different events did that. And that was okay because that was the type of tier that a rally point qualifier was. But with this being a competitive event, um, it, it very plainly says in bold text, leaders are not allowed to be um, participants in this. So if um, if you're out there and you've got, um, you know, somebody you were planning on having kind of back you up on the rules, um, you know, you, you can't do that. You can't have a judge in the game um, and and the danger of that. Um, and I think I think it's a good question, right? Like, well, what if what if I what if I do it anyway? Right. And so you know, yeah, it's not illegal if you don't get caught, but it kind of invalidates the integrity of the event, um, you know, when you're not following the instructions that the company's given us. What is your opinion? Well, sorry, sorry, Jay. What is your, before we leave this, what is your opinion on a judge substituting in for a player who dropped if that drop makes the situation uneven? Because I've seen that happen multiple times. Um, in a casual tournament, I'll do it any day of the week. Right. Um, you know, if, if we have somebody who comes in and I have nine players, I will totally grab my army and I will play. Um, and, and then that way we don't have a buy. Um, and then I will be the buy in a casual tournament, unfortunately for a competitive tier event. And it's, it says it just plain as day, you're going to have a buy and somebody's going to get it. Um, and so I had one player who left, they went home. Um, it was like a three hour break or no, it was like a four hour break. Cause we also had lunch. Um, you know, and so, um, I, I just did my best to give him a rough idea of when to be back. Turned out, uh, I was wrong and he was about 15, 20 minutes late. Um, and so I gave that particular game a time extension. Um, but they ended up not using it. They actually were done uh, before time even got called. So, um, you know, just one of those, like I had the power and I had the ability to, to do, I, I would never want to do a 20 minute time extension. So there is, my own, so there is no leeway here, right? There is no not leeway. Really. No, the document's real clear. Okay. Um, leader, leaders are not to participate. All right. I personally love it. Um, there has been a couple tournaments that I've either been streaming or been at, uh, none of yours, Brendan, but <laughs> where where the judge played uh, in the tournament and I hated it. I hated every second of it because a couple of reasons. One, um, I need you to be focused on me. 
Like if I'm playing and I need your help, like I need you to be snappy with coming over and answering my, my judge question, number one. And number two, I don't see how, um, maybe in David, maybe in your scenario, it's different cause he's just filling in, but in the ones I've seen, you know, they're like registered to play the event while they're judging. Like, how can you, how can you be, uh, fair in that instance, especially in your own games, who's the backup there who, you know what I mean? And then, you know, I have to play the judge. Like I, I don't like it at all. I don't on any level. I think judges are judges and players are players and that's how it should be. And that's how it is in magic and everything. You know what I mean? That's how it is in all the other games too. Like that's how it should be. And I feel like this will be a little more painless once stores develop their Legion scenes a little bit more fully. I know like one of the reasons that this is presently an issue is that a lot of stores don't have like staff that really know Legion. So the the tournaments are essentially like player run tournaments which yeah, means I, I actually heard i heard a similar one where like the store short of like putting the pairings up had no other knowledge of the game and the players like had to have a collective tribal tribal leadership run their event or whatever and i don't remember if that was a prime or just a regular tournament but i was just like wow that's you know i mean good on them for making making do with whatever they had but it just blows my mind, you know, to know that event an event could be run that way. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, especially if you have a community where it's like the first, um, you know, invite tournament of the year, you, you probably have most local players don't themselves have invites. So if you're, if, if you're a local player, uh, and you're, you know, you want to help run the tournament because the store is not capable of doing it themselves, you have to essentially say like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna remove myself. Uh, I'm gonna a sign up to still be here all day, but I'm also gonna remove myself from the possibility of competing in this tournament uh, and getting you know some kind of reward. So, um, at least at least presently in in the space where we are, where a lot of stores don't have like institutional legion knowledge like they would for other games, um, I, I can see this being an issue at some stores. But like you said, there's there's no leeway. Um, in the floor rules or in the, in the prime rules. And I do agree with Jay, like it's in any sort of competitive tier event, it's really awkward to have a judge participating in any capacity. Yeah. And I even, you know, I mean, it, it seems silly, but um, I was actually talking with, with FFG earlier today and just confirming, I was like, how hard of a line in the sand is this? And they said, it's, it's an absolute line in the sand. Um, it's not to happen. Um, and so they, they are serious. They were serious enough to put it in the document and they want it. That's how they want it to be run. You know? Yep. It definitely makes sense from an event integrity perspective. Uh, it just creates, you know, potentially some logistical challenges. So I think the ask there is because I know, especially where I am, um, our communities are a little bit smaller. And so, and like, you know, our local store uh, doesn't take, legion as seriously as they probably should and you know we don't get primes at our local store we have to travel like an hour and a half away but what i i guess the the question here is so they're making these bylaws for these stores and so i think a lot of like smaller stores aren't going to have the capability to make this happen so then does the ask come to the community for volunteers to say hey i know i wanted to be part of this prime but we need a judge that can 
you know, can sit here and judge this for the store. And then how do we reward those people for, for, for doing that instead of playing? Right. Yeah. Um, well, so, and I, and I, you know, I won't get into, you know, all the details, but, um, there are judge promos in that kit. Um, you know, you don't get everything, you don't get the trophy, you don't get, um, uh, you know, the coin or anything like that. And, and, um, you don't get the command tokens and stuff, but, um, as far as the cards go, you know, there's usually a set that's set aside for the person running the event. Um, and so that's, you know, they're not completely, um, going, you know, Hey, thanks for running this, but we're not going to give you anything. You know, they, they put promos in there for you. So, um, and, and it specifically tells you in the inventory, like, you know, this, this is what is set aside for you. So, um, you know, there, there is an advantage to giving your Saturday to help other people have a good time, you know? Um, and that's, you know, nice. All right. So, um, I think the second thing we want to talk about related to primes is, uh, there was, there was a prime this past weekend where the, um, I'm sure some people have seen this already, but, uh, the result was essentially decided by a coin flip. Um, so you've, you've already, uh, sort of done some research on this and uh, even gotten something back from FFG. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? And can we, and when you do that, Brandon, can we give a little context to the situation just so for people who don't know what happened? Thank you. Absolutely. So this situation, um, I'm, I'm very familiar with it. Uh, and, uh, this is one of those situations where if you miss any of the details, you're going to look at it and you're going to be like, this is absolutely inappropriate. This is, this is collusion and, and this is a problem. Um, and so I think the story here of what happened is most important. So, um, again, there was a cut for top two. Um, so the top two players have, um, they've been decided based on the number of rounds, uh, and then, uh, these two players have to play for first place. So at this point, rank three through the end of the list is completely locked in. Um, everybody has been given their prizes, um, and it's all been distributed. There's, there's no adjustment here. Um, and so one of the things that, um, you guys might, I I didn't elaborate either there is in the prime kit. It very clearly spells it out. If the number one winner already has a invite to world championships, it is to be given to the next person in line. Um, that is spelled out in text in that document. Um, so in this case, uh, one of the two players had an invite to Worlds already, um, and the other player did not. So we knew 100% which player was taking home the Worlds invite. Um, and then after that, um, looking at the prize support, um, it was a difference of, I think the store had chipped in a um, $100 gift card for first place, and I think an $85 gift card for second place. So... store credit is the difference there. Um, And then, you know, neither player was looking at, at the, the box of minis, which is pretty cool, but you know, a lot of people have army cases and so they weren't terribly wowed by that. So ultimately when they looked at it, they were like, we're going to spend another three hours after we've already been here for over like around 12 hours. Uh, We're going to spend another three hours to figure out who gets $15 on a coin flip. And realistically one player very much wanted to go and um, use uh, hashtag best part of X-Wing weekend 
which is uh, for us Legion guys, uh, it's the after party. You know, it's the we spent all day rolling dice. We want to go hang out with our friends. Um, and this was a, a, a person who had traveled quite a ways and uh, was a former local to the area. So they had friends. They wanted to meet up with people while they were still in town. Um, and then the other individual um, I happen to know, you know, without getting into personal details, uh, you know, had some young kids and wanted to tuck them into bed at bedtime like they normally do. Um, neither player here wanted to play the final game and they knew what the end result was going to be prize wise. Um, and so basically both players were ready to concede and both players were ready to walk away and just take their prize support and go home. And um, the situation here was, you know, well, we, we still have to put a winner in the books or whatever. And so at this point, after they both decided they don't want to play, they both have reasons to be somewhere else. They flipped a coin to decide who was going to concede. And that was it. Um, and so where people get real hot is that the floor rules document very much says that arbitrarily resolving a, a game is, uh, is considered collusion and um, is a disqualification. And so, um, you know, there, there's definitely a, a party out there of people who um, feel that this was inappropriate and, and that adjudication should happen. Um, I looked at this really heavily. Uh, I consulted not just, uh, you know, with my own opinions on the matter. Um, I've consulted with other people who are outside our community who are big tournament leaders themselves in other games, um, because sometimes having perspective is nice. And I have thankfully a support group of other people I know, um, that I can get information. And, and again, they looked at this situation and they said, no, um, you know, with, with what was at stake here, right? The world's invite wasn't going anywhere. Nobody was getting that, uh, the other line that I saw in the floor rules doc that really stuck out to me is that there was no distinct advantage. Um, there was no, gain and no other players outside of these two players' rankings were affected. Um, so it didn't devalue the integrity of the, of the tournament, um, and it didn't change that up in a way that was unfair to others. Um, I think the way that they did it um, maybe was not the best. Um, I think, you know, like somebody should have just said, I concede and, and call it a day. Um, so, so I don't think that necessarily that was appropriate but I don't think it warrants a disqualification in this case. Did you, did you actually talk to FFG about this at all? I did. Um, and I spelled it out and, and again, um, the initial reaction was, you know, isn't a, isn't a coin flip really spelled out in the doc. Um, and I said, it is, but here's the details, you know, after I kind of brought it up briefly and, and kind of opened the door. Um, once I spelled the whole detail out, um, FFG said, nope, um, this is, this is a situation where, um, it, you know, like I said, uh, it, it maybe was not the best way for them to do this. Uh, and I wouldn't encourage anyone to do this in the future. Um, but two players who know the results, uh, you know, and, and the price support is so, you know, not impactful, right. Uh, the, the decision is, is kind of, it's not important. I, I don't want to say it's not important. That's not right. Too but, late. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's um, the carrot on the stick is not big enough. Is that, is that a good metaphor? Well, there? Okay. But I'd like to back it up a little bit. Go for but, it. Hit me. So, because we knew you knew the results 
minus $15 right. of what was going to happen, right? So yeah. no matter what, the one person, whether win or lose, they were going to get the invite. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I've been waffling since I've known about this back and forth. Um, you know, and, and of course we've chatted about it internally, but like at first I was like, I don't care. Like, you know, like I was just like, who cares? Sounds great. But now, like, now that I think about it a little bit more, it's kind of one of those, like, Hey, if we don't uphold the rules, like even things we think are small that, I mean, what else is going to get you know, what else can happen where people are going to be like, well, sure. It says that, but we kind of wanted to do it this way. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Cause I'm sure that there are players who would have played that out. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are upset by that. And so I, I think I see both sides of the coin. Uh, <laughs> and uh, ah, nice. <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, I laughed at my own. You got to put, put a rim uh, shot uh, drop in there, Jay <laughs> afterwards. Brandon, I have a question. So we know that two players went to cut and one player was undefeated by SOS. Am I correct in believing that all three of those players had invites? All three did. Um, And I actually, I actually happen to know that even rank four wouldn't have been able to attend. So it would have gone to rank five. Okay. In in a hypothetical situation where that would happen, it would have gone to rank five. Okay. So the invite was not a stake. Okay. I just want to make sure that was clear. if, If I may, uh, I, we're going to test your hypothetical uh, situation this weekend. So the prime I'm going to on Saturday, there is five people who already have invites that are all going to this prime. And so there's potential if those people all take top five that the, the could pass down to six to it six could. place. Um, I actually talked about this on the most recent episode of Critical X. So like two or three months ago. Um, and And that's you know, that's where I was kind of um, making a case against trickle down, uh, just to be honest. And, um, you know, it's that whole, do you, do you want to go to Worlds on a sixth place invite? You know, I mean, um, I think most people would say yes. I, I think so. Yeah, because people want to play. <laughs> yeah. um, but but um, when you talk about the glory of the situation, right, I think I think it's a lot cooler to be able to say you won your invite winning first place. Oh, I think so. I think I think the trouble comes in, um, you know, the prime I'm going to like, there's a lot of really high end players that are going to be there, mm-hmm. especially the ones that have their invites. So I think even a sixth place winner there would still that's still they still went through a gauntlet just to get right. to sixth place, you know, so I think it all depends. It's a very tricky situation, I think. Um, it's a weird combo between having like these local stores having this quote unquote power of an invite without kind of the um, uh, what's I guess they just have this document to go off of. Right. They don't have any other mm-hmm. backing or support to like move to, to to like follow these rules and to do what this says. They they paid the money for yeah. the kit. They That's got, not a cheap kit, by the way. Right. Like, I won't. I won't tell you the number, but it's not a cheap kit. Right. And they're yeah. expecting to get a certain number of people to offset that cost, plus selling stuff. And then they got a bunch of these guys that are like arguing about, you know, who got the first place or whatever in their store. And so yep. I could see where it just gets really dicey as far as the lines, because there's no like FFG's the authority, but there's no. Yeah. 
and I, I put that in air quotes. You couldn't see that in podcast land, but <laughs> well, and, and so so let me let me show you the other side of the coin then, if if I may. Um, uh, David and Kyle, how would you feel if you won your world's invite in June and for the rest of the year you weren't able to compete in any competitive events for the rest of the year because you already have your invite? That would suck. I mean, it would suck a lot, right? Wouldn't yeah. it? I mean, I, I get I get why invites passing down is a thing. Um, right. I yeah. have no issue with the invite it passing makes, down. It makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. And I, I say that as a guy who, who kind of defends not trickling it down, but I also see the other side of the coin. I'm, I'm not, I'm not blind. Right. And, and you don't want to be that guy that burned the invite. Right. We also don't want yeah, to incentivize groups of players who already have invites to, to mob tournaments and block people out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's not cool. No. Well, and that was a real, that was, so I was actually in that boat, you know, I, I got my invite. What was it? April or May. And so like like one of the first ones. Yeah. Yeah. And so like before, before uh, I knew, you know, that they didn't burn, like I was like, well, I can't go, I don't want to screw anybody. So I'm not going to go, I can't go to any more tournaments. You know what I mean? And then, uh, then we found out obviously that I was wrong, but it was, it was a weird place to be in because I was like, who, who do I play? Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Are you going to be a submarine? and and you know like just yeah. hang out right. and get middle of the pack prizes. i got mine in june like, which is funny that you mentioned the, yeah. the month of june so that i mean that literally happened yeah. to me so oh there you go yeah so yeah like and then you wouldn't have been able to go and compete at gen con and correct that. like that would have been that would have be been horrible yeah so yeah, um, it's, a, it's a weird i don't I think, you know, we sometimes, well, on my podcast anyways, we rag on FFG a little bit about the mistakes they make, but I just don't know that there's a ton of like silver, you know, silver bullets in this. I think it's just like they're making the best of what they can. Sure, there's a couple things, Kyle, like you mentioned earlier, that they could have done better as far as taking out SOS, but I think the structure of how they're doing things I'm, it is fine, and there's some tweaks that we can make here and there, but I don't know that it's necessarily wrong. Yeah, I mean, any anytime you have a situation where you're you're talking about like an invitational tournament that happens once a year, and then invites to that tournament are at stake kind of throughout the year, like there's there's not really a good way to do that, and also continue to create incentives for players to participate in multiple tournaments. Um. So I think it's I think this is probably the best we'll get, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as invites passing are, are concerned, I, I do want to go real quick back to the coin flipping thing um, and just sort of play devil's advocate briefly. And as far as like the floor was calling out, uh, you know, random results being um, collusion. Like I, yeah. I, I personally can't think of a situation where you would end up with two players agreeing to randomize a result if one of them cared about it if that makes sense i I guess i'm struggling to see like like what situation that sentence or that that wording is designed to address that does not involve both players not caring whether they end up you know uh one or two yeah so and and there was an example in there um and uh, i apologize let me see if i can pull it up quickly uh, it, it has something to do with both players knowing they will make the cut, and so they agree to resolve their game without playing it. Right, because they're both going to make it. And so they the use cut. they use a non 
game means to decide. Basically, they are trying to decide a game of X-Wing Legion by some non-X-Wing or Legion means. X-Wing is where this comes from because this is where this cropped up originally. There's actually an infamous, there's an yeah. infamous incident in X-Wing where you had like eight people intentionally draw or something silly like that. I don't know all the details, wow. but... Well, and then and then I think that's also where the final salvo rule right. came in, which I'm not entirely familiar with, right. but I, I guess that's a mechanic. It's going to require more research before I well. say any more about that. Sure, sure. Um, and, and I like this one here. Um, player A and player B are friends. Player A is already going to advance to day two, so we're talking about the future of, a, of the same tournament. Um, but player B needs one more win to do so. After discussing it with each other, it, player A offers to concede so that player B can also advance, and player B agrees. As soon as there's a discussion, the integrity of the game has been lost. Player A is allowed to concede the game at any time, but should do so without soliciting the concession. Um, and so, um, in in this case, in in our coin flip situation uh, for Legion here. Um, it's my understanding that the TO needed to put in a win or a loss, and so he needed a result for the record book, you know. Um, and because there are no draws in Legion, we need a win, right? right? Um, so um, I, I think that's where that happened because both players were equally ready to walk away from the table at that point. Now, this is not import as important as I'm going to make it sound, but I have sure. a question, Brandon. Did Hit they discuss up. the money? Did they did they discuss who believe, got who got it? Did they flip for fifteen bucks? Is what I'm trying to ask. Um, I believe that was that might have been part of the conversation. Okay. Um, but I don't think that either of them particularly. Cared. Okay. Uh, as a as a judge, we might care. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> the game itself might I, care I think... because that could that could lead in future circumstances to a, a bribery sort of thing where it's like yeah let's uh let me concede to you and then i'll give you half my prize pool because that that's bribery right. right in this case the person who won the coin flip did win the right i, I believe the the winner took the winner prizes i guess okay. is what i'm saying um both of them wanted to walk okay. away though so, so they, they truly um, didn't care I, I, all right yeah yeah it was it was um and i think you know again i i think it was done not the best um and i think i think that it shouldn't be done that way in the future um and i think it's a learning opportunity but i don't feel like it's something to penalize at this point no. in the moment if that makes sense you know david it's interesting like that's a real interesting train of thought uh on that and i'm starting to lean more towards the i don't like this side mm -hmm. now with thinking about that because i think that really jeopardizes the integrity of the future um maybe not this one in particular but huh yeah i i don't yeah. like it i like it less and less and i, I i've never been in a match where even even like um you know casually where one we both wanted to concede at the same, same time like yeah. it's always like one person's like all right man you got this and then and the other person's like you sure and the, yep and then that's it and we walk away right, right. and Right. So it seems an odd situation, but it, I think it, it definitely opens the door for a lot of interesting questions. And, and David, what you're saying is is very interesting. Not that there's been a ton of money on the line um, in Legion yet, but who knows, right. right? Like, I mean, look at Magic, look at Warhammer. Like, there is yep. potential for this game to get there. And you're you're absolutely right. Yeah. I think that becomes something we have to a think about. Issue. 
yeah the, for the sure. section the section right above collusion is bribery and that is specifically spelled out in that category mm-hmm. you know so it wasn't a it wasn't a i'll concede if if you know if i get the money or i'll concede if i whatever it was just we both want to go home and we need to put a record in right. the book so let me ask you this how do we yeah. how do not we maybe how does ffg or the community how how does this stuff get enforced so we got this document it's sent to these yep. stores they have it how do we enforce this what happens if i'm at a store and something nefarious happens what what's my what are my answers i mean i I think the best thing we can do is try to educate and not come across like a-holes um and and that can be difficult when you're the guy trying to point out the rules i know i've encountered it when i try and point out floor rules items like say an obi-wan that's giving the middle finger instead of pointing um and i say hey you know this is cool but it might not be appropriate for for organized play you, you know? said we wouldn't bring that up in public brendan what why <laughs> hey you know i'm gonna call you out man I just um, <laughs> but uh you know and and so sometimes it's not fun to be the guy pointing out the rules um and and believe me after after this weekend i've sure seen it um i've, I've seen comments of uh of uh expletive to uh, you know, and various other things. But at the same time, I've also seen people who said, um, once they saw who the TO was for the event, that they um, they immediately stopped being concerned about the issue and knew that it was handled okay. Um, so I think I think there's both sides of that. And, and I think ultimately, our job as a community and, and as community content creators is to get the right information out there and to be available if people have questions. And when people want to know how to do things right, or or even if they seem like they're going to make a misstep, you know, step in and, and politely say, hey, you know, you can do that, but you you might be putting yourself at risk. I mean, the reality of the situation is, and I heard this in my store at my event when I was running it, was, um, you know, ultimately, uh, Brendan has to follow the instructions in the document because if he doesn't, then the store is in jeopardy of potentially not getting a future event. And Brendan is potentially in jeopardy of not getting called to run another event. You know, the reason the reason that I run these events is because I follow the instructions and I do it the way that FFG wants me to do it. Um, you know, when you go rogue and when you do things that are not their way, you don't get the prize support kits, you know, and you, you don't get called to the big leagues. So, um, but at, at, at its worst, I think that's that's ultimately what you look at. It might not impact that event, but it could definitely impact your future events. Um, you know, and they, I mean, they call that out in in a different degree when they talk about judges selling price support. You know, just because you're given something as a judge, you're explicitly prohibited from reselling it. Um, so there's there's that in that document too. So hey, volunteer to judge, but don't sell your stuff. You know, um, so that's you know, the long-term result is probably the larger impact, I think. Um, the reality is we could still have bumps in the road. Yeah. And, you know, the prime structure is still new too. So we're going to, we're going to see, um, there's going to be some growing pains. Um, do you have a, uh, all right, well, thanks man. And happy birthday. Um, we won't keep you from whatever birthday celebration we're keeping you from any longer. So. Hey, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. And have thank a good you. So it was Brendan France um, talking about Prime Championships and some recent drama. And um, yeah, takeaway for me is uh, people don't 
if you want to leave um and it's getting near the end of a prime just say i concede and leave <laughs> don't talk yeah. about it with your opponent <laughs> right like well and that's you know he brought that thing up about friends too like the example they put in the rule book like Dude, if you're if you if you're like one in one or or one and two, and you're playing your friend, like don't talk to him about it. Just concede if you want him to like move forward or what. You know what I mean? Like, do not talk about it. No one talk. Just concede if you don't want to play anymore. Yeah, just the first thing you should say to your opponent if you don't want to play anymore when you show up to the table is, "I concede." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then it. talk about whatever you want after that. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Anyway, moving on. Uh, let's talk about heavies, heavy vehicles, Ooh. vehicles in the heavy slot. Um, let's go exploring with notorious scoundrels. So, Jay, you've been uh, you've been you've been running not one but but two heavies recently. Uh, yeah, this is true. Um... I think, you know, I, I don't think the tank was um, ever necessarily bad. I think it just got, I think we put it aside, right? Like, because the new toys came for Christmas. And so we put our old toys up on the shelf and we started playing with our new toys. And I've always liked the tank. And I think, you know, even with the errata of the, the you know, backwards move thing, um, I think think it's still really really good and so i decided recently you know what i want to play with the tank again and then i was kind of looking and i was like what would happen if i ran a tank and an atst um and they are pretty choice uh in today's world um you know there's not a lot of impact floating around currently there's a lot of crit machines i suppose but there's not a lot of impact so they're very good <laughs> question mark i'm i think i think they're really good i think they're versatile i think you put them down on the on the table your opponent is thinking about how they're going to face these behemoths right because it, the atst is 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 12 wounds and the and the tank is 8 and it's just like i how am i going to get through this you know well, and um, it's it's worth it's worth talking about too um, that heavies and vehicles in general, at least armored vehicles, are at least defensively pretty decent against the two current big bads in the meta. That being short troopers and tauntauns. Uh, in the former case, yeah. you know they don't have uh, uh, explicit impact like the DLT does, so they're they're crit fishing, which um, is a little bit unreliable. They do have like a you know, because they have that critical one gun and eight dice and usually a free aim token. Um, they do have like a 90 something percent chance to get at least one crit. So functionally, mm -hmm. it's going to be the same as a DLT most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, short troopers have those those big meaty dice pools with all those black dice in them and those aim tokens and often also a surge token. So even if you're getting like one to two crits shooting a heavy, you're probably still throwing away you know, four to five hits that you could be using against another target. Um, and you're exposing yourself. Right. Right. Like to, to make that shot because the tank and the ATST with the right configurations have the same range, if not a, a little bit further range than some of your dice pools. So you're exposing yourself to get a shot off uh, for maybe two hits. Right. And with the tank, I'm uh, it's rolling red defense dice. So there's, there's like a 50, 
well, 50% chance for, for shields. And so, so like I, I'm maybe taking one after all that work and you just put yourself in a bad position. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Like it's, it's not like, it's not like shores and or mortars can't kill vehicles. They're just not efficient targets for them. Right. Um, and then Tauntauns, you know, obviously they have RAM, which is free crits. Um, but A, they have to get to melee to do that. And B, if if they're in melee with your vehicles, they're not engaged, which means, of course, that you can still shoot them. Yep. So, um, you know, they don't have that safety net that they would usually have when burying themselves in trooper units. So It's also a lot well, harder to maintain cover when you have a vehicle that you're trying to, <laughs> you know, snap into in melee. It's a lot tougher. Although sometimes you can use the enemy vehicle as cover if they've positioned it in such a in such a manner that you can mm-hmm. snuggle up to the side. But at the same time, it's it's very difficult to actually hide your second tauntaun out of sight because you have to be in base with this thing if it's legal to do so. Well, and with all the with all the the heavies too, their their bases are bigger, and so I found that they're really good at plugging some of those alleyways that the Tauntauns are running through, right? To try to get to your back line. And you're like, especially the tank, um, because it's movement speed, even though it's one, that oblong base, like it it go it goes crazy further than you think it's going to. So like a speed like a, a tank that takes two move actions can all of a sudden be like plugging an alleyway that, you know, you as a Tauntaun player were were prepared to run down and now there's a tank in your way. Yeah, it's it's a crazy it's crazy base. Yeah, and you can even I mean, you were talking about doing things like running over mines to block line of sight to them. <laughs> yeah, <Right>. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, and like, okay, so I think like the part of what's going on is as I'm playing with them, I'm trying to. I think before when I played with the vehicles, it was more like. Oh, these guys shoot, you know, eight, nine dice, and that's a huge dice pool. And it's generally, you know, the 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 tank is one short of a triple rainbow. And then if you use the twin blaster with the ATST, you got the triple rainbow at at range three. And so, you know, it's it's interesting um, because I used to just think of them as these like firepower, firepower, firepower. But now, like with the Tons and the way the Shores and Bosk and everybody are working, it's it's interesting to use them more to like block out stuff and block out objectives and just keep people, your opponent from getting to those objectives, you know, versus yes, you're trying to delete units, uh, but you're also using them as these like, you know, as linebackers basically. And I know that's, that's a word we've used in the past on both podcasts, but they're true. Like, you know, linebackers like, okay, I'm going to come in and I'm going to plug all the, the holes in the offensive line here so that the defense can't get through and sack my quarterback. They also have a pretty big influence on objectives that are, you know, a physical place on the board. So for example, recover the supplies where you have that central box. Mm. You, you kind of just laugh and say, okay, fine. Walk into me. I dare you. You know, I'm going to take my big gun. I'm going to aim it at the center box. And if, if you right. try, you will die. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And then, you know, when you look at fleshing out the rest of the list, uh, especially with the price reduction, the cost reduction on the ATST a few months ago, it's not as bad. 
Yeah, they're you actually know? you can actually take a you, you're saying you can get to 10x. You just you do yep. what the rebels do and you drop all the heavies. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So you got to really think about it and f- figure out where your firepower is coming from, which is generally the ATST in the tank and then try to fill in some spots here and there. And, you know, I talk I talk on my podcast a lot about like trying to trying to create an all comers list. And when you're building a list, you're really thinking about you know, can I face a, you know, can I face ATRTs? Can I face Tom's? Can I face Luke? Can I face Sabine? Can I face Vader? Like whatever, you know, whatever's out there that I could potentially face, what are my options with this list? And, you know, I think heavies um, can kind of fill a lot of those, like check a lot of those boxes for each unit, you know, like sure. Luke moves up fast. And when he gets in melee with a heavy, he can do some damage, but really He's still got to get up there. The ATST can see over a lot of terrain uh, and can still, you know, sure, he'll be in heavy cover if Luke's running up. But, you know, you're still going to get some shots before he even gets up there. And you can block him or the Tons out from, like, coming in and hitting your core units with the ATST that's got a ton of health points. And, you know, I mean, uh, what, Luke's got Impact 2 and then Pierce 2? Yeah. You know, so maybe... Right. And so maybe he's going to do three, maybe four damage. You know what I mean? A two will definitely get through. But with an ATST that hasn't taken any or maybe very little damage, tying Luke up, maybe not as bad because then you can kick him and then shoot something else. You know, so it's there's a lot of versatility there uh, with with the with the heavies. Right, and that um that long base and, and large base in the case of the ST comes into play. And I'm going to give some good free advice that I'm going to regret. Um, if you are playing a tank or an ATST and you see Luke Skywalker coming for you, back up. He actually can't get to you again without putting himself in, in mortal danger. Because if he forces the charge, he's just, his ass is in the wind. He's dead. So just back up. And then you're safe, essentially. Yeah, I mean, they can, they can move yeah, faster that- than you can. Yeah, they can. <laughs> yeah, I would say, you know, that um in general with all these like notched based units, uh, Tauntauns, ATRTs, the heavies, uh reversing and backing up is is really important to remember. Like that's something you can do <laughs> as a player. Like uh you know, cuz I was playing uh Tauntauns, uh, I don't know, a week or two ago, and I was like, oh, I, I could just back up, <laughs> like you know, exactly. like it just dawned, it just dawned on me. I don't know. You know what I mean? And like, I was like, oh, what am I going to do here? How am I going to get around to this? I'm like, oh, yeah, I could just go backwards. <laughs> yeah. The best is when you make like that, you make like a, a, a hard reverse and then you pivot uh, 90 in the same direction before you move again. And you can basically mm. just turn around 180 and go a different direction. Yeah, and and you know, like the tank has uh, reposition, right. so you know you're going to be able to move before or after that that speed one movement. So it's you 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 have a lot of versatility there from a movement. You can go backwards, forwards. Uh, I, I I'm really in love with them right now, and you know, there you go, everybody. You can you can have that. This whole segment's like a love letter to heavy weapon, <laughs> to heavy heavy vehicles. Well, and it's that thing again where I think we're at a point 
um, in the game. And with and again, I think once the new stuff hits, whenever that's going to be, um, we're all going to be able to reassess lists again. Like, I, I don't think there's a ton that's off the table out there. You know, I think there's some for sure. But I think for the most part, there's a lot of lists out there that could and units that could play vital roles in the wars to come. Uh, yeah, I mean, as not, soon as not... the saber comes out, I'm I'm on that stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the AAT and the saber. I'm uh, I don't know if the Rebel Z6 is on that list, Jay, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> not the way you guys have been talking. No, no. Uh, yeah. Well, that's isn't it funny how how one mini can go from like a must take to uh, like it's got leper's disease or something like everybody's got to stay away from it you know i I joke with i joke with my friends who play cis i say you know automation took our jobs (laughs) because (laughs) the b1s are basically better z6s yep yeah oh man more wounds cheaper it's like it just the metaphor fits perfectly. hey they have they have one less black dice come on Uh, (laughs) um yeah it's uh Anyway, we're not we're we're not talking about the Z six on this episode. We kind of did that already, but um, yeah, I think I think the Rebel heavies too, particularly T forty seven. You know, I've always loved the T forty seven thematically. It's like the first mm. the first thing that I painted, um, and I was so excited about it. And then I put it on the table, and it was it was so bad. <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> You know, it, it's possible that it's still bad, but I, I think, you know, Evan has talked about this on your cast, Jay. I think yeah. I think there's a place for it, at least in Rebel on Rebel matchups, uh, you know, where the lack of Pierce on a unit that costs as much as it does doesn't hurt you as much. And, you know, if you're talking about like a Tauntaun matchup, Tauntauns can't really do anything to it. You know, they're they're throwing four non-surging dice with their range attacks, so they're, they're crit fishing with four dice. I can't melee it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Most Tauntaun lists are kind of constructed on Tauntauns and Leia and a bunch of naked troopers and snipers, and none of those things are really good against the T-47. Um, so that T-47 can kind of get around to that weak underbelly of the Tauntaun list uh, you know, and go after those, those spare activations, uh, the naked troopers, the snipers, R2 when he comes out. Um, you know, it can get back there and, and do some stuff. Um, you know, it's, it remains to be seen whether that's, whether that function is worth, you know, you still have to pay 140 points for it, but like you can, you know, with, with as, as much value as you're getting out of Tauntauns and also potentially out of rotaries, like you can build lists with three Tauntauns, you know, three snipers, three naked core troopers, a commander and a T-47. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know you can you can and you can do yep. the same thing with three rotaries instead of uh three tauntauns i've been messing around in my head with uh like luke skywalker um some snipers some naked core troopers some rotaries and a t47 and it gets to 11 activations <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I don't know if it's any good but i think it's you know it, it, there's nothing in that list besides the snipers if they can get to them that tauntauns like are really good at killing now maybe that doesn't matter because there's also very few things in that list that can score like trooper based objectives <laughs> unfortunately yeah. right um so that's the downside right so maybe it's a little bit of a double silver bullet so to speak um 
but uh, I think it's I think it's interesting. I might I might throw my T forty seven on the table just to see it on the table and um, you know play around with it a little bit. But well, and you know I had painted the tank in the ATST, and so maybe selfishly somewhere I was like I gotta get these back on the table because I spent a lot of time uh, working on these. You know, I took my T forty seven out of the foam, and there was like a layer of dust on it. <laughs> And I had to like blow it off with compressed air oh before God. I put it on the table. That's how long it's been since I put this miniature on the table. I mean, over over a year actually. And um, I put it on, and it was it was okay. I mean, I played against clones, which is not a great matchup for them because uh, you know clones are very have high damage resistance, and so you know T forty seven cannons are you know they kind of get laughed off by you know, clones mm. with surges and things like that. But it was still, it was a fun unit. Um, it was really cool because I just decided to hunt bark speeders the entire match. <laughs> and so we had kind of a repulsor vehicle battle going on. But um, no, I mean, it, it just, and I mean, maybe my dice were bad, but three red with no surge and three black with no surge. Like it, five hits is not uncommon, but so is only three. And three hits with heavy cover plus whatever, you know, dodges, especially against clones with their dodge sharing. It's like, man, this has this is doing no damage for the points I paid for it. So I guess it really depends. It's it's matchup dependent, right? As you were saying, Kyle, with the whole, like, <laughs> you need to have the targets that actually will succumb to the damage and become vulnerable because of the T-47's maneuverability. Well, and I think we're in a unique place um, with 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 the T forty seven and the and the Imperial heavies, where the way the lists are 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 coming out and the how things are are now that before they were kind of like the centerpiece of your army, where like if you took a T forty seven or an ATST, that's what you took, and you were kind of focused on keeping that alive and making sure that that did all the heavy lifting for you where now I feel like we're in a place where they're more of just an additional tool in your tool set versus like the only hammer you own and you're hitting everything with a hammer. Right. That's what tauntauns are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one giant hammer. Yep. Very, yeah. very large, anyway. very cheap hammer. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll see. I think that the ATST and the tank are probably, in a, in a better spot than the T-47, um, you know, at least as far as like mm-hmm. across different matchups are concerned. But I do think the T-47 mm-hmm. has some use in specifically like against the current Tauntaun style where they just do three taunts and then a bunch of cheap squishy activations in your backfield. Uh, now, we can't leave this discussion without talking about the X-34 uh, as yeah. well. Uh, What's that? Just kidding. I'm I, just kidding. I mean, uh, <laughs> that, it's, it's the clown car. It's the land speeder with all those people what hanging did, out of it. What did you call it, Kyle? A, a pickup truck? The, yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a technical. The, the technical. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a pickup truck with a. It's a space pickup truck with a gun on the back. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a little different <laughs> because it's even though it's it's classified as a heavy, it doesn't have true armor, and it also, you know, unlike the T forty seven, is on the ground and can be right. charged by tauntauns. Yeah. Very sad for it because it's, you know, melee denies its cover. Armor 2 doesn't do anything against, you know, five to seven hits with RAM. <laughs> you know, right. doesn't do jack against that. 
So it's just going to get, uh, for lack of a better word, clapped by oh, the first taunt on it runs into. Well, and even even like Shores, <laughs> you know, the massive hit pools that Shores are putting out are are not wasted against something that doesn't, you know, that has a numeric armor value. Um, right. Also true. Like I, I've, uh, uh, I've with Shores, I've I've killed a X thirty four like full to dead in just two shots. Um, Yikes! You know, it was it was a it was actually like a stress test for my palp list to see if I could handle like an all rebel vehicles thing. And I just did, you know, um, shores aim shoot with target for the first shot. And I did like four wounds, uh, on the first shot. And I just pulled the strings and finished it off immediately in two shots. And it's like, you know, you're not going to be able to do that against an ATST, but you can definitely do that against the next 34. Right. And the worst part is to get the good dice pool. You start to pay Luke levels of points. Like the good build in my book is 155. Mm. So I mean, okay, not maybe not Luke, Sabine. And so then it's like, why am I not running Sabine? Or why am I not running a naked right. airspeeder? Or an airspeeder with link targeting array for 145? You know? Right. And I think the difference on the Imperial side is there's precious few things that have the versatility of those heavies. Um, especially with Tom's out and Shores out that can handle everything the heavies can handle at that same price point, you know, where, you know, you know, cause we've talked about Luke or Sabine, they're, they're kind of Swiss army knives where they can, they serve, they could serve different purposes, but like the land speeder, it's, it's just got like one or two purposes, you know, where I think those ATSD in the tank kind of have that Swiss army knife in a different way. Um, you know, kind of feel where they can they can do five, six different things versus like one or two things. Right. Well. And, and as a competitive focused, you know, podcast, we're all about making those good purchases with our points. Mm-hmm. And so we have to like say, is this a quality purchase? And I think the answer in the current climate is no, um, especially when you have to compare it to something like Sabine, who is fast, can interact with more objectives, shoots two targets, can pierce. There's all kinds of good things for much, much, much cheaper than the kitted lands. Much, much easier to hide. Right. Yeah. Way easier to hide. Has a three up save, <laughs> you yep. know, by, by that, I mean, a, by that, I mean, red defense dice with surge. Sorry. That's my Warhammer slipped in. Not, there. not obligated to uh, move forward. Yeah. Not obligated to move forward. No compulsory yep. move, which can we talk about that real quick? Well, I, Cause I, yeah, I have sure. a soapbox sure. about compulsory moves. Go, go on. <laughs> okay. I want to hear it. Um, I feel like, I feel like it's supposed to be an advantage and it's not. I feel like compulsory moves are typically mm. a disadvantage. Because they become a, an advantage when you when you get damaged. That's <laughs> you true. <can> only... I <laughs> mean <laughs> so it's yeah. it's an extra action, right? Yeah. But it also means like it's it's a forced action and it's also at full speed which for these like speeder bikes and the T47 is speed 3 and for the X34 it's speed 2 which is far right like it's mm-hmm. it's legitimately difficult to keep them near your army and you know one of the reasons that tontons are so good is because if like if you don't want to move them away from your army or advance with them or attack something like you don't have to Right, like they're super fast, but you're not obligated to use that speed at all. Um, you know, it, like points trading is super important at the competitive level, and part of points trading is keeping units from getting exposed. And mm-hmm. um, you know, when you're forced to move a unit forward every turn, 
like it's it's much harder to keep that thing from getting exposed i guess is the, the, the tldr if you will i just i just learned that acronym by the way um. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah you're right I, I you know now that i'm thinking about it because it's well and kyle knowing your play style right it's a thing that's out of your control so there's nothing you can do it just has to happen and you need to figure out how to deal with that right and where all this other stuff like the heavies that we started the conversation with if i don't want to move them i don't move them they just stay where they are and so, yeah, I, you're right. I think I think it is a huge disadvantage where maybe originally it was meant to be an advantage. Um, but and usually, I don't know how you would design that any other. Yeah, way. and usually, like in practice, like it's an extra action, right? But usually, that extra action for a unit like that is an aim action, right? Because you're going to compulsory move, aim, shoot, and other vehicles can get that free aim action by paying five points for like targeting array. So, mm -hmm. you know, for like an ATST, you can pay five points for link targeting array and get all the benefits of having a compulsory move essentially without any of the downsides. Right. Yeah. Because um, you can still move forward if you want. You still get your free aim token, which substitutes for your aim action. And then you can still attack. Like you can still do three things essentially with an ATST. You're just not obligated to. Um, yep. You know, or you could with link targeting, right? Actually just sit there, take an aim action, end up with two aim tokens and then attack, which is not something right. that, I mean, obviously repulsive vehicles can also take link targeting, right? But I guess my point is like, you know, any vehicle can pay five points for an extra action. Um, you know, but that yeah. extra action is optional, essentially. Whereas, right. They, they can do it without exposing themselves to additional damage. Right. Yeah. That's the primary concern, right? Is like when you say, because I think we started this conversation with saying I can hold it near my army. And like you say, like range control matters. And like the ATSD can just park itself and just aim shoot for the rest of the mm -hmm. of the game. But the land speeder has to consider, okay, is my next compulsory move going to cause me to die? Yep. Essentially. Yeah. Because I've moved into a position where my entire opponent's army is shooting me now. And I think this goes for speeder bikes too, which you know, even though they got a significant cost reduction, I think they're still not super competitive. Um, no, well, you've got a bunch of Tauntauns running around with max firepower pistols. Yeah. That's why they're not competitive. Well, and, and Shores, too, in an Empire Mirror. <laughs> like, you know, Shores, Shores right. are very capable of one-shotting full to dead a, a unit of speeder bikes if they catch them in the wrong spot. Um, yep. Yeah. So because of that... Especially the coordinated fire Shores. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's I th I don't think it's a coincidence that all of the units with a compulsory move are you know not super at least maybe I guess with the possible exception now the T forty seven are not super competitive. Well, the trade off is bad, right? They have to make a sacrifice in position, which is super critical, for ostensibly a boost in firepower, which doesn't wash. You know, I mean the given what's out there you know the times that it's better are when you either do th three moves or move move and then attack um right because there aren't mm -hmm. other vehicles that can do those two things but it's not mm -hmm. super common because then you're really overextending yourself right like if you do a move move and attack mm -hmm. with the t47 or a speeder bike that's like uh what is that probably range three just on the moving um yeah so you're gonna end up really far from where you were <laughs> Well, move, move is 17 inches if you go the full right. distance. 
So well, that's right. It's almost with a speeder bike base. It is with a T forty seven base. It's it's more than that. Oh yeah, it's way farther. Um, so like, <laughs> yeah, it's, well, and it's I think... nice to be able to reach out and touch something like that. But in and I've actually I actually played a lot of games with a T forty seven when it first came out. And granted, it was more expensive, but like, I didn't run into a lot of situations where that was advantageous for me to do that because then it's just mm-hmm. sitting out there by itself, and it's like shoot me. <laughs> Yeah, please shoot me. I'm already visible above the battlefield yeah. by literally everything. Right. Because I'm a big and, flying model. And, <laughs> and I think you can find yourself... I mean, I've done this recently with the T-47 is found myself in trouble because I was like, oh, the T-47... You know, and I'm like, let's go! And, but then, you know, I just miscalculated some distances and was like, well, now they're going to shoot it to death. Great. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's hard. Uh, the armor helped, and you know, and, and that all helps. I think if you're going to take the T-47, you, you just got to be aware and just be a good pilot of that ship, you know, and, and use it use it sparingly and use it in a way that helps you and doesn't just give you a flying target basically you know i need you to run a comms jammer airspeeder for the giant radius i think that could actually be not terrible the problem is the things that you want to jam like the most useful things to jam are are short trooper gun lines and then um separatists tauntauns that don't have uplinks yeah i guess tauntauns that don't have uplinks um but I guess they have their own jammer, so you're kind of screwed usually if you do. Yeah, that. although you don't, I don't think you super care if the T47 has an order in that situation. Um, it's also true. But you know, <laughs> if that's the case, like to jam something, you need to be in the middle of your opponent's force. So. Right. So. <laughs> and it's got armor, but it still has having seven health and white dice. Um, so then you bring two yeah. of them. The ground <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's only 10 points yeah, then you put your arsenal two to use finally yeah. this keyword you don't ever use double airspeeder back in fashion let's do it double airspeeder triple saboteur let's yeah, go that, i so wish that it had like a forward-facing something that you could use to get yeah, more dice. anything yeah. at all just give yeah. me more than six dice Ugh. hey does the harp the harpoon doesn't work on creature troopers does it i don't think so Oh god, it should. I think it. I think it's. But then they don't care because yeah, I think it's just vehicle. Oh my god! So, that, so it's it's useless because. <laughs> well, I guess it's not useless totally if you repo it in a strange position. Yeah. But still, like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you know. I just shed a tear for the Modak power harpoon. <clears throat> yeah, the har- the harpoon is a vehicle. After a vehicle is wounded yeah. by an attack, mm-hmm. so it's okay against like ATSTs, I guess. But tank blocks yeah. fifty percent of yeah. the time seems good. <laughs> investment you need to actually cause a wound. Let's go. Uh, all right. Um, so that was a bit of an exploratory on on heavies. We didn't really talk in detail about uh, you know like what upgrades to take on them, or actually really in any specificity about how to run them. Maybe we can do that. In a future Legion 101 section, but um, mm, yeah, okay. I think I think they're interesting again. Maybe not the X34, but definitely the other three. Yeah, you know that jockey they released to fix it. Yeah, throw that thing in the trash. What's that? The vertical <laughs> yeah. one that's here. The uh, it's the cover pilot. pilot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, throw that thing in the garbage. Critical one is here to stay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, so yeah, and the difference between cover one and cover two right now is. Don't get me wrong. I'd rather have cover two than cover one, but 
Yeah. I've got a unit in heavy cover and they're in range of something dangerous. I'm not like, oh, thank God I'm in heavy cover. I'm like, oh, crap, I'm yeah. in range. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. Much. Exactly. Um, yep. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, oh, let's uh, let's crash this. Uh, let's crash this plane. With no survivors. Yeah. <laughs> this T-47. Um, you know, if the T-47 turns out to be good, I'm going to have to change the, the feature photo for my T-47 article from a crashed burning T-47 to one that's actually like in the air. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, yep. Well. You guys can just read my T-47. There you go. It'll be fine. <laughs> they need to retcon ESB and fit those T-47s with proton torpedoes. Or just or just put Tauntauns in the Battle of Haas and that shield generator wouldn't have been destroyed. Exactly. <laughs> if it's right, I, I, yeah. I've watched... The Empire would have yeah, never made I mean, it. I, I've watched that. I've watched that uh, movie multiple times now, and I keep waiting for like the Chanton cavalry to come in and overrun the ATATs, and it's not happening. Yeah, it's like yeah, for <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Well, we are the notorious scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm David. I forgot my own name for a second. And I'm Jay. <laughs> and we will. We will see you next week. Band lying in wait. <laughs> Join us next week for another episode of The Notorious Scoundrels. This has been a Fifth Trooper production. 